begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris, aka Staraptor, for Outer Rim Transmission, episode 133. It is a big, big week here. This is our last episode of 2023. So that means one thing and one thing only. We're going to be breaking down our favorite things in Star Wars for the year of 2023, ranking them for the top five. I am joined by Milton and by Ben. Ben, how's it going? Um, but for me, like, this week's been kind of a pretty low-key week for, like, Star Wars stuff. Nothing too crazy. Like, we had a lot of, like, our big things last week. You know, I did the the Mara Jade lightsaber unboxing and, like, those type of things. Um, so this week has been more of a, um, a, just a normal week, I would say, without any, like, big Star Wars events happening. But the only thing um, that I can, like, continue to say is, like, like, it happened with my first niece a couple years ago, you know, I mentioned on the podcast, her loving the little electronic Grogu I have. Um, and now my other niece, who's 11 months old, she loves it. Anytime she sees the electronic Grogu, and, you know, you tap its head and its ears move and it, and it talks and everything. And, you know, she just smiles and laughs and laughs at that thing. So it's it's cool just seeing, like, Star Wars, like, impacting little kids um, at such a young age like that. You're muted. Yeah, I did something similar. We had the tree. We had that set up today or a couple days ago. And the, and the kids, I was going through, I was the, the nephew's four and the niece's eight. And they were very intrigued about all these different characters that we have on the tree. So I was going through which one's a good guy, which one's a bad guy. And, uh, you know, the very simple things. My my niece was obsessed with Jabba the Hutt. She loves him. And I was like, when I was your age, he terrified me. And I said, I think it's, I think it's about time to show you the movies. Because if you're not terrified like Jabba then I think you'll be pretty good for the most part. So she was getting a kick out of that. I have a lot of animatronic ones this year. Uh, there's a Grogu that's mechanical, the Jabba the Hutt's mouth flaps open and his eyes blink. And then we have the um, Empire Strikes Back carbonite sequence that plays out the whole thing from the movie. It's, it's amazing. Han goes down into the tube and comes out as carbonite. The kids thought it was magic. They thought it was sorcery. They're like, what is going on here? What is this? So that was that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh yeah, it's always great seeing kids' reactions to like you know the different Star Wars items like that. Heck yeah, Millen, how's your week been? Uh, my week's been good. Just busy with like just life, dude. Unfortunately, I mean that's adulting for us all. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, my week in Star Wars didn't really have much of a week in Star Wars except for I mean I put my christmas tree up yesterday me and my nice. girlfriend did that and i have a couple star wars ornaments i have uh two darth vader ornaments and i think a baby yoda on here somewhere so yeah sweet there you go vader you got the dark side you got the light side and uh that's that's all you need well eh, a couple bounty hunters uh the ne'er-do-wells as well um but that's that's cool that's cool what what does she think about the the star wars ornaments uh, she actually bought me oh. one of them here. Nice. Uh, one of the Darth Vader's that broke, but we wanted super gluing the arm back on. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, she she's into it. I mean, she's not like a fan like we are, but I mean, she knows some stuff about Star Wars. She, if I watch it with her, if we're watching it together, if I talk about it, like she has an idea, but she's not like you know, she ain't one of us. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I got a little bit of a show and tell for the last for the last one of the year, guys. This was stuff that was pulled out of storage, doing a lot of cleaning around here, and uh, 
some stuff from circa 1999 has magically surfaced and it's been it's been a blast from the past so here we go last show and tell for the year starting off with this really cool lunchbox this is what you call vintage man just the the classic dual nabu it's got yep. star wars on the back uh, and it just says you know jedi versus sith i mean this might be the the earliest thing we've heard of sith but you know yeah. I was talking about I was talking last week about the Trenton Punk Rock flea market having a, a bunch of stands, one of them having that Star Wars backpack with the odd looking Han Solo. So I'm continuing to trend. You know, we got we got another carrying device, but something that's even more up my speed. And I think I've talked about this one before. I'm I'm pulling a Milton with this one, guys, because I'm, I'm doing nostalgia video game here. Look hey, at how big go. the box is to this thing. This is huge for a game oh, box, dang. but I mean, live the saga. You got all this, these beautiful screenshots, you know, look at that. Uh, Windows 95, 99. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I got to see what the uh, the specs of this actual game are. I don't know if they're actually on the box. But um, as I said before, oh yeah, you need um, 3D accelerator hardware required. Um, <laughs> bottom for details. Let's see. You needed a, you need memory. This is going to be really funny. 32 megabytes of RAM. <laughs> Your CPU has 200 megahertz. Pentium or faster required. You know, this is this is funny just jumping back in time. But yeah, I, as I told the story before, real quick again, just the idea of having to go over to my aunt's house and being on dial-up in 1999, having to go through the same swamp level of Naboo multiple times because by the time we would load the game, it would take like six hours to, to load the game on either of my aunt's computers and by the time I would have an hour to play before I could go I had to go home or something because it would usually be during like a holiday party or or something like that that I would you know oh and then I would get to the game and I'd be like yes I'm playing the same level again for the fourth time um so yeah there you go and uh I don't know this is just a random folder that I found mm -hmm. I like the I like the, the monochromatic kind of design, the blues, um, you know, classic A New Hope. So, uh, see it on the inside. Oh, on the inside, it's actually really cool. I'd even open it up, but this is neat. It's like schematic levels of ship design, which I'm all for. Love that stuff. Um, oh, yeah. it's well, well, that's the thing. Back then, though, in the 90s, like, in my opinion... Um, when Star Wars was returning in the 90s, like the 90s, like I would say like probably the 19, like 96, probably like 1996 to like 2005 was like, like peak, peak Star Wars like products. <laughs> yeah, then it was everywhere, everywhere. You know, you got your KB toys, you got your Toys R Us, your Kmart's, anything really. You just your your Taco Bell episode oh, one yeah. promotional stuff. Remember oh. how that was? Right. I mean, I think like that that late '90s era with the prequel, well, with Phantom Menace, like all those re-releases because you had what '96, yeah. what was the special editions, Power of the Force, the Phantom Menace line. Like, I mean, they. They were releasing everything. I mean, I, I mean, I even think about it now. Just like they did, like a micro machine thing of Star Wars, yeah. and I remember how fire that was. I remember wanting that when I was a kid. Um, but it's like, yeah, like around that late '90s, early 2000s, like the kind of like with the whole Force Awakens resurgence with the Fourth Fridays. 
it kind of was like that, but it wasn't called Force War Fridays back in the late 90s. Yeah, it, it was a good time back then with all those different products and things like, you know, I'm sure you guys remember from like the different pop cans like Diet Pepsi, you know, it would have all the Phantom Menace people on it on each can like Obi-Wan, Vader, um, Maul, everybody like, you know, they did a really cool job there. I mean, heck, even fast forwarding a little bit to like around the 2004, 2005 range. Remember, Burger King did its entire Revenge of the Sith promotional thing where in like you know they had they were releasing like in the kids meals back then they had all the different characters and like the rare rare one back then i remember because my younger cousin was so after it since his favorite character is anakin there was a burger king it was pretty much like almost like funko before funko almost like it, the character you know they were almost like the size of like a funko figure and they were from burger king and you know, there was a Vader, actually, where you could pop Vader apart and then Anakin would be inside of him and stuff. And, like, you know, they uh, they did a big promotion. And, you know, that whole era, like, the 90s, early 2000s was such a good, um, like, probably in my mind, like, the most memorable, like, product era for, for me, for Star Wars anyways. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were both uh, all within, I guess, eight years old of each other in that, in that realm. So... All kids, nonetheless. So that was that was the time. That was the time. Everything was all in our face and uh, hasn't quite uh, tarnished as we're still doing this in our thirties, talking about Star Wars. So <laughs> and all thanks to the merchandising. All thanks to that classic merchandising. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. All right. Yep. So releases this week. Not a whole lot going on. Uh, we did have Bounty Hunters issue number forty-one, which I did not review because apparently. The, the fiasco of Marvel continues where they were supposed to put out the ending to the crossover and all these epilogues have come out before the ending. So I'm not even going to touch those yet. So stay tuned for those reviews. We did get Shadows of the Starlight, number three, Bell's Edifar, Buriaga from the High Republic, and Hyperspace Stories, number 12, my favorite of the 12. It's the last one for that whole series is Orlando Calrissian uh, Adventure you know, basically following his events from another side character's point of view during the Battle of Endor at Death Star 2. So a lot of good stuff there. We do have official release stuff that I didn't even see until I looked on StarWars.com. Apparently there were three kind of Life Day slash Holiday Lego shorts that they released. There's, there's right there on StarWars.com. They're all just like two-minute YouTube shorts. One of them is Chewie's, Life, uh, Chewie's Holiday Cheer Up. Uh, the other one is to new treasures and the last one was twas the night before life day now that one i actually really enjoyed because that one actually had dialogue it was playing on the tradition that was you know more recent here with the uh the white elephant exchanges they, they call it the white bantha exchange and it's the emperor giving out <laughs> gifts and then making his people fight over him as the emperor would um to new treasures and the chewy's holiday cheer up were no dialogue, just very simple stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, if you have if you have a chance, check them out. Still wish we could have gotten a full fledged sequel to the Lego Holiday Special because I still really enjoy that one. Um, but yeah, those are there for you guys to to check out. Um, going into some housekeeping, I did not do that yet, but we do have uh, t-shirts still available at teespring.com just look up outer spring uh, outer rim transmissions we also are live every sunday we're going to be taking a little bit of a i guess three week hiatus we'll be back on uh, let's see the 7th we'll be back on january 7th 
Next week is obviously Christmas Eve. The week after that is obviously New Year's Eve. So we're going to take some well-deserved time off. Family, friends, just chilling. Uh, but we'll be back full force on January 7th at the usual time at 7 p.m. Eastern. So mark your calendars, whatever you got to do, set your reminders there. And we are available to listen to on any podcast streaming network of your choice. Just go ahead, search Spotify, uh, Google, Apple, Amazon, just look up Outer Rim Transmission, and please give us a positive five-star review. Very much appreciate it to spread the word. Um, and there are some changes coming, some positive changes to the channel and what things are going to look like here at Star Raptor. So um, that all those announcements will be made uh, closer to the beginning of this year. But yeah, a lot of things working behind the scenes right now, so I'm very excited for you guys to, to learn about those um, in a couple weeks time. So here we are, we're already at the end of another year. Um, and as I like to do is just kind of look back at the year and highlight some of the best moments for us here, uh, whether it be content, whether it be moments that we've experienced events, anything like that. So yeah, very excited about this. This was, I think overall a very good year for star Wars. We got so much stuff from the books to the comics to a couple series to some animation a lot of big announcements were made over the last several months so i think i'll go ahead and kick it off into earnest my number five spot we're gonna go around uh round robin to each one of us and we'll increasingly go up till we get to our number ones maybe there will be some overlap and we'll just not mention that until we get to our number for that specific one but getting into it for my number five I'm going to have to go with what is still not ended, what has still not ended, but I just mentioned it, the Dark Droids crossover from Marvel. We're dealing with Dr. Raffer, we're dealing with Bounty Hunters, we're dealing with uh, the Star Wars series, we're dealing with Darth Vader, we're dealing with the D-Squad droids, and the mini-series of Dark Droids all revolving around this Scourge uh, possessed droids that are taking over the galaxy in between Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. Uh, this is a crossover that is actually working. Me and Matthew Neubauer, uh, another plug here, go check out our tractor beams. We are actually going to try going live every Wednesday night. That's our new time, 9 p.m. Eastern. We, we break these things down every single week in, in good detail. Um, so we are having a blast with this series. There's been a lot of other crossovers in the Marvel comics. Uh, Vader down. We had Screaming Citadel. We had... War of the Bounty Hunters, and this one by far is the best one yet. The only hitch is, as I mentioned, their release timing couldn't have been worse. I don't know if somebody just hit the wrong button and then had the, the, the things go out on the freaking uh, tractor trailers way too soon. Because um, that's the whole... But, but besides that, the storytelling is great. Each one of these stories are getting their, their due, their due diligence and their own storylines that are melding into this wider um, world-building element of the droids being possessed, and then they're trying to go after, uh, to get ultimately organics to be possessed. So they have to go through the cyborgs. So then they're looking for Darth Vader, Lobot, Bother and Valence, all these cyborgs, and then they're actually getting to the point where they're going to you know, basically take over all life in general. So this, this entity, this AI entity, if you will, will not have any... You know any enemies if anybody if everybody's already possessed by it what will it fear that's the whole premise of the story but there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in it uh so yeah that is my number five 
I'm yeah, gonna throw I it mean, over. That... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I don't know if you guys have so much to say about this one, so I'm just gonna throw it over to one of you. But yeah, go ahead. If you have something to comment, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, it's cool that they're like adding a you know extra, or they're adding you know you know more storylines in that era and stuff. And you know that's an interesting premise because like we talked about. I remember when you were you know been talking about it throughout this year. Like you know it's just kind of like that whole. AI thing and that was like relevant you know to like the strikes and a lot of things kind of that we were going on you know in real life so it's cool that like you know we kind of like got an AI-ish type story you know in Star Wars as well um but yeah for me I would say my number five this year probably you know I when I was really thinking about things you know there's so many different things whether it be you know movies shows books um products etc like, there's so many different things to talk about, I feel like, with this year. Um, for me, though, I think the fifth one would probably have to be the Ahsoka series, like, just coming coming to life. Just because, you know, it's pretty much our, our next season of Rebels. It's continuing that arc. It gave us, you know, um, you know, whether people were, like, you know, feeling solid on it or whatever. At the end of the day, it gave us live-action Thrawn, which was great. It gave us you know, death troopers for real this time, like from, you know, pretty much zombie troopers, like we, yeah. we imagine from the Legends books. Like, so, you know, just those two things alone, Thrawn and them, and then plus the introduction introduction of Balin into the Star Wars universe, which, you know, fingers crossed, we see a lot more of him. You know, it's great getting that expansion, of course, like getting Ezra and Sabine and more of Ahsoka. And like, you know, it's like the Rebels crew. So it's just, it's nice to like have that series launch and um you know star wars like pretty much taking a risk trying to do the whole crossover route like the arrowverse or mm -hmm. like the mcu like like dceu etc like it's nice that star wars um is taking like a calculated risk like that and committing to it because you know this whole mandoverse thing has to connect um eventually to the um the dave filoni movie so you know we have we have that coming. So I, I think that would, for me, be my number five, just because of all the implications, not even specifically the content. And then, of course, I, I can't go without saying, seeing Hayden Christensen again in, in that oh, series yeah. was, was incredible, incredible. Like, that was that was amazing seeing live-action Clone Wars. Yeah. So for me, for me, I would say that would have to be my, my number five thing, not even specifically because of like the content of the show, more of the implications of the show for the bigger spectrum of the like Star Wars universe. Yeah, but I it's funny because if you're calling that your number five, I'm very curious about what else is on your list that's higher than that because this is uh, something that we all really enjoyed. I think we could all speak uh, as one. It's like, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun with this series, breaking it down every week here on the channel. Uh, takeaways for me out of that season was Sabine being a freaking Jedi. I mean, who of us saw that coming? Right back when we were watching Rebels, like this just mercenary Merc Mandalorian is going to be able to wield Ezra's lightsaber. And yeah, the big thing for me as a big, you know, you've got, you've gotten, uh, you've read recently the, the Thrawn novels and seeing him come to life, the, the theatrics of it all, just the way he just exudes like this superiority over everything and, and just. Laurels Mickelson's performance, seeing Night Sisters in live action, 
going back to Corellia, uh, seeing another Inquisitor, seeing the awesome duels, and you're right, this this character of Balin, Balin, um, Balin's skull, like, uh, it's so sad to have seen the actor passed away, you know, because a lot of us, I think, didn't know anything about this character. Nobody knew about this character, but we have most of the consensus is that's one of the strongest things of this, of this show. Um, and what was his name? I'm trying to pull it out of memory. Was his name Steven something? No. Oh, Ray Stevenson. Ray yep. Stevenson. Oh, okay. I got, I half got it. Um, Ray Stevenson, amazing performance. Awesome stuff there. Um, and just seeing, Filoni in his in his wheelhouse dealing with the force and having the first series really diving head first getting like you said Anakin Skywalker that more just kind of trilogy feel of, of getting down into the into the thick of it with the weeds of oh what is the force and and how afterlife is and, and reincarnation or whatever you want to call it but just this idea of the mysticism of the force there's a lot of humor a lot of zaniness with those little turtle creatures there just a lot of fun stuff out of this series. Yeah, that's a good call on that one. And and spoiler alert, I do not have any series on my top five at all. So, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, for me, for number five, I think I'll, I'll go to a series. I mean, it's got to be to be Bad Batch. Nice. Um, just because there's there's probably two or three episodes. I'll I'll say for number five because I'll use one for number five. I'd say the episode where spoiler where what's the name dies. Um, oh my god, tech, tech. yes, tech. Oh like yeah, that was a, like that 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 entire episode or two was really good. I really enjoyed that. I mean, it was emotional. You could, t- I mean, Dave Filoni, he he is Clone Wars when it comes to creating that show. I love how that ended. I- I'm excited for what season three is going to bring. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me that's number five. Yeah, that was again. We talk about Bad Batch as we had, you know, a roller coaster kind of experience with the show. We're not going to sugarcoat it. There were a lot of bumps in the road for that second season, but when the show hit, it really hit. And I don't want to tread on any territory for any episodes you might talk about. So I'll just talk about this episode specifically. Is that added the element that we were looking for? I think what the show does really well is it builds up on character development for certain characters. And yeah, at the time we're thinking, oh, this is like a waste of time. Where's the big overarching plot of the story? Where are they going with the stormtroopers? What's what's happening? Why are we learning about, you know, tech racing speeder bikes or whatever it was? Like, what's the point of this story? And then it's because of that story and the other story where they're in a cave and he's with Omega talking and she's like trying to get through to him and he's his head is like like a thick steel wall of emotion. Like he's, It's really a thick skull. Right, because we... I mean, I complained about that from day one of that season. I said, some of these episodes make no sense, but yep. how those last couple were playing out, it was like, okay, and I think... I think I might have mentioned, you know, the show is about, like, failure. No, I think, I think I said this season was about failure. I think I was very clear on saying that throughout our, our reviews because, I mean, they, they kept failing left and right. Yeah, and did they did they successfully complete that mission? I mean, some people can argue no. I mean, they they, they lost one of their members, and season three is going to be the final season, I believe. So it's like, 
they they definitely gave it some real stakes, and I was glad that they did because it's it's it could have easily been just a kids show. That's but that's what I mean. Yeah, if you're a fan of Clone Wars, as we all are. We grew up watching that show since 2007, 2008 when it came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, it it aged gracefully because the viewership has gotten older. Yeah, you know, we. We wanted to age with us, so it made sense. So I'm glad they gave us those stipulations of, yes, these characters won't survive. Yeah, no, no one is truly safe, and that's actually kind of something I was hoping to see. Going back to Ahsoka, I, I, I think they could have done with one character death. And I was listening to the Star Wars Underworld podcast earlier today at work, and one of the big gripes that they were talking about was the fact that Thrawn wasn't built up enough as the threat that he was constantly being alluded to in that series specifically. It's like, yeah, we've seen him standing around. We see him, you know, using the Night Sister magic to di- identify a Soka ship, and then he just, like, leaves. Like, there's no big moment. And I think that could have used a moment of, like, Thrawn executing Ezra Bridger or something like that. And then I would have been like, oh, this guy, he means business. This is this is why people like Moff Gideon were talking about him at the Shadow Council in Season 3 of Mandalorian. This is why Ahsoka was worse Thrawn. Like, why they didn't build that up because there wasn't enough stakes in the story. And the stakes don't have to always be killing somebody. But in the case of Bad Batch... They definitely showed you the, the 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 boot coming down on any rebellion, crushing it. Like the Bad Batch is not invulnerable; they are they are able to be defeated. And I just think that they took a bold swing with that, and it, it, it's paying off. Because yeah, I'm very ready for season three of Bad Batch after that. Oh yeah, it should be it should be interesting to see how season three goes. Like you said, because you know there were stakes, there were you know, a main character getting taken out. Um, you know, like for me with like the whole Thrawn thing, I don't know. It's just, I feel like, I feel like the Thrawn thing's a hard thing to like, to um, decipher just because it's like, you know, they didn't really build up the emperor in the original trilogy until like the end. So it's like, you know, we're only seeing technically like, like this version of Thrawn we saw was like basically Thrawn for, or em- the emperor from empire strikes back. Like, you know, we know he's yeah. a hologram. This you know, is, so it's just kind of yeah. like, yeah, it, it's just kind of like, I I think we are gonna like eventually get to that moment of Thrawn, you know, doing something. I mean, you know, with with the you know the Mando season four stuff, um, you know, maybe that's where Thrawn comes in and crosses over, and you know, he's the big threat of maybe that show or something. Yeah, so like I think they're still building out his story, but yeah, as for Bad Batch, like, you know, they tech got taken out. And it ended also with um, Omega, you know, she's captured. So, mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see where they take the storyline um, going forward. Because, sure, it could be 12 to 16 episodes, but, you know, that that's a lot of storylines to wrap up in just even 12, 16 episodes. Like, because there's a lot of things they got to mm-hmm. check off, like how to get Omega back, how to, like wrap up whatever's going on with the empire how to wrap up where the bad batch ends up etc etc like there's a lot of characters they have to wrap up so the good thing for us fans of this show and even people on the fence about watching bad batch it's like hey view it this way like there's a lot of storylines they have to take care of in this final season so we might not get a as much of a roller coaster ride as we have the last couple seasons because now they have to lock in and be like okay we got to make sure we're on track so we can stick the landing of this series. Yeah, I mean, look at season one and season two. They've done the heavy lifting 
or at least most of it. There's always more room for character-specific episodes that, that harken back and build their characters. That work is already... Yeah. The foundation's there now, so now they can just hit you know, full throttle and just go through the major plot, trying to figure out what the point of this story... Well, we know what the point of the story is, showing the downfall of the clones and, and the emergence of the Empire and all that. But yeah, super excited. Getting to my number four is a novel. And this one is Star Wars Rise of the Red Blade. This is oh, Star Wars Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade, written by Delilah S. Dawson. This book really surprised me. I think you guys would especially like this one because it's it deals with a lot with the prequels into the Empire. And what I really appreciate is the idea of a book that is not specifically tying into an upcoming release or an anniversary of a certain movie or anything like that. The idea that Delilah Salson had this idea and was like, hey, I'm going to make this character kind of modeled after myself where I'm always been a little bit of uh, an outsider. I've, I've, apparently she said that she claimed, you know, she is on the spectrum to some degree. Um, so that's really interesting being able to like show how it is from that perspective, from the character of this Inquisitor Iscat. And they go from being an outsider, a different species, you know, everybody doesn't really like her. And it's like this character that goes from the Clone Wars is targeted by Palpatine, to be put into the Inquisitor program. So when Order 66 happens, she's already basically getting thrown into that training. Um, it's just a really great story that stands completely on its own. Yes, it was a character that was first revealed to be in a Darth Vader comic from 2015, um, but it's extrapolated her into an entire full-fledged adult novel. So, yeah, I can't recommend this book enough. I've really enjoyed this one. Oh yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen plenty of people like, you know, really really um, recommend that book. I've seen a lot of reviews on it, and um, it's good that it like had such a, you know, overall impact to people. Like because a lot of times, you know, you've seen it, Chris. Like you you read all the books, all the comics, and sometimes they get traction, other times they don't. And you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure you noticed that book getting traction too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely you know she she's wrote other Star Wars, Black Spire, Phasma's. By far her best Star Wars take yet. She's done a lot of short stories as well. I just want to see Lucasfilm do more of this. I mean, we have Star Wars Mace Windu, The Glass Abyss coming out next year. We have The Living Force coming out next year. These are the kind of books I've been wanting to see. They skirt more on the edge of Legends um, with that feeling of like, oh, this is a book that's in this different area that the, the series or the movies aren't really touching right now. And that's what we need. These are the things that that have more stakes generally these stories have more stakes and they are able to really do a lot of world building as well and it's there's so much lore in star wars canon now how stories are threading in with certain events that are mentioned and characters are reacting to certain things and they might be on the periphery of where the movies were like for instance like there's one part where she's at the battle of geonosis and she's like one of the jedi that's like fighting in the stands that we don't actually see and she's seeing like anakin and obi-wan like f like fighting for their lives and the geonosians are flying out of this like i love stuff like that you know it's kind of like lost stars or for instance the story i read this week i mentioned hyperspace stories number 12 there's an engineer that's aboard the millennium falcon keeping the ship alive as it's going through the core of the death star and destroying it like there's i love those kind of stories where we get that different lens 
of the actual events happening. So yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about that one. Um, what about you? What's your number four, Ben? Yeah, for me, um, that was a tough one. Like this whole list was kind of a tough one because there's mm-hmm. so many different things to talk about. I feel like, you know, we could just probably have a have a five hour podcast talking about our our top five things. Um, but for me, I would say my fourth one. This is like the first year I've ever really done this before. Was you know look more into like the collector side of things of yeah. of Star Wars, and that's what made me and end up choosing my fourth one was you know back over this summer i purchased that mara jade lightsaber i unboxed last week on here and like you know it was awesome getting that because like it's a it's a good quality piece and you know it makes me want to get more um like collector items in the future just because like you know like you were saying um last year about some of the higher public characters lightsabers potentially ever being made Mm -hmm. etc like it's cool to get like the characters that aren't on screen getting like nice pieces like that. So like for me, um, my fourth one is definitely like the, um, you know, just getting kind of more into collecting and stuff. And the fact that it's, you know, Mara Jade's lightsaber, like she's one of the most iconic characters, like in star Wars fandom in terms of just like people knowing who she is and whatnot. So like, it was great being able to um, get her lightsaber, especially, you know, specifically since it was like signed by Shannon McRandall and stuff, you know, the woman who played Mara Jade. So it's just, uh, it's a nice piece to really start off my Star Wars collection to go alongside with my, you know, original Luke lightsaber as well. So, you know, it's a nice little, nice little start to my Star Wars um, lightsaber collection. Yeah, there's, there's never enough lightsabers, and I guess it's kind of like getting a tattoo. Not that I have any personal experience with it, but once you get one, you can't stop at one. And next thing you know, you're going to be like me, and you're going to have five lightsabers just in all different parts of this room here. So <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like General Grievous, have all the lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, a lightsaber may or may not be part of one of my higher up picks for for uh star wars this year so but yeah no man when it comes to star wars i mean i'm always showing stuff off i'm always talking about stuff i've seen in target or walmart i I send you guys pictures of like oh this walmart's amazing they actually have all this stuff fully stocked like you know that's just part of the dna of star wars it's just eh, even if i don't own it i like to just look at what's out what's coming out i know milton you're always kind of like me like just you know browsing seeing like oh, i seen this thing and this flea market this old kenner figure you know it's, it's just part of being the fan fandom you know yeah for sure i mean and i guess that transitions into my my number four because i mean i'm pretty much most of mine are going to be about the tv shows or the shows this year but this one's different um i would say i think whenever i purchased jedi starfighter Ooh. and jedi starfighter and what's the other one there, there's starfighter and then there's jedi starfighter yeah when, when oh, i found station yeah. two um just because like this is nostalgia like i mean it's th- those, those are games that still hold up um those are games that i think you guys know how I feel about the video games currently. I, I've had a very weird, interesting relationship with the current Disney, EA, whatever, whoever makes games for, for, Star, for Star Wars. When LucasArts was in charge of shit, perfect. I mean, perfection, in my opinion. Now, there were some stinkers out there, but the majority of those games, in my opinion, were pretty solid and well-played. And even playing Jedi Starfighter and Starfighter in general, like, 
those games are challenging, and there's just something about them that brings me back to being, you know, 10, 12, 11, 13 years old. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my number four. I want to go back to Jedi Starfighter. Actually, I can't go back. I don't even know if it's available on any system I own, but I remember that one being a big deal for being like the preamble to Attack of the Clones, I believe, and you played as the Jedi Master out of Gallia, council member, I think, at the time. Um, but yeah, it looked awesome because you could actually, I think you could use force powers when you're in the ship, right? Yeah, I believe so. Again, I haven't sat down and played it like all the way through, but mm-hmm. it's a very challenging game, and I mean, even like, like the the configurations. I mean, it's different. I'm used to playing PlayStation Four or or Xbox. Yeah. So, like you have to relearn how to use those type of configurations for PlayStation Two. But it, it's a very challenging game, and I love it. Yeah, I know because I have it on Steam, and f- I tried it back in college. This is how far back I'm, I'm going. Like ten years when I have it on Steam, the guy, the control layout was all messed up. I couldn't figure out how to invert the controls. So I was flying up instead of flying down in my eyes. You know, just I, I, I gave it up after about five minutes. And said, okay, <laughs> if they remaster the game, maybe I'll go back to it. But I, I think I just own it to just be sitting on, on in my Steam library for eternity. <laughs> I always get confused, well not confused, but I always mix up uh, Jedi Starfighter with another game that I had on the N64, you guys might have played it, called The Battle for Naboo. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it almost seemed exactly like Rogue Squadron, right? It's the same concept, You're, you're doing planetary battles, and there's smugglers, I remember it was pretty neat because... You have to like one mission. You have to actually free the Naboo people from like one of those like internment camps that we've you know heard about in the movie. Like oh you know put this put these people to Camp Five or whatever it was. So we get to see the stuff in between the movies. So I mean Lucasfilm Lucas Arts was always doing a great job of just you know interweaving again like kind of like the, the the novel I read interweaving stories into movies at the time and just you know enriching enriching the saga there. All right, we're going to keep it going on games because my number three is Jedi Survivor. I freaking adore this game. This game I've played through twice now. <laughs> That's how, uh, you know, I would have played through it twice already on my own eventually, but, you know, had had to record some stuff for the channel because I love the game so much. But, yeah, this is everything that a sequel should be. It's everything to improve upon the predecessor while adding more gameplay elements, adding the 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 level or the planet of Koba, which is essentially almost like a an open world kind of space it still has the dark souls kind of uh you know combat where it's like if you die then you have to go back to where you died to get your experience back it's that more thoughtful combat as they like to put it where it's not just hack and slash you know force unleashed like you're actually having to parry time and dodge and all that good fun stuff but then there's this really great story that delves into the higher public there's a huge kind of empire strikes back like crazy mind-blowing moment that happens near the end of the game and there's just a lot of variety a lot of enemy types i introduced like all the separatist droids are being brought online by these raiders on this planet so you're you're killing not only like crazy wampa looking creatures but you're slicing through magna guards and super battle droids and commando droids and destroyer droids it's it's so nostalgic you even go to locations like a lucre hawk like a droid control ship in the same hallways that looked like Qui-Gon and and Obi-Wan were in fighting those things so I gotta give it to Jedi Survivor I mean as far as a game from top to bottom I still think it's it's top three Star Wars game of all time up there with KOTOR 
and whatever else I deem number two. But uh, at any given day, at a, any given day, this is sometimes my favorite Star Wars game of all time, and um, hopefully they make the sequel just as good, if not better. I know Ben, you're you're gonna eventually play this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna play it eventually. Um, yeah, I'm excited to play it. Like I've I've watched the, you know, I watched your walkthrough. Um, you know, if anyone who's listening, like Chris has has done, like plenty of like walkthroughs and stuff on this game on this channel if you go back and check it out and you know i watched your videos and um yeah i mean it looks like a great game i know i thought it was pretty cool like the whole um you know like when you beat the game you can do like the like the character costume shuffle thing like when you replay oh, it oh yeah so fun i thought i thought that's pretty cool just a cool little like it's a cool little twerk um quirk to add into the game um so yeah, I'm gonna play it eventually because, like I said, I, I really enjoyed the first game a lot um, when I had played through it before, and um, you know all I've heard are good things about this version or this um you know this uh, sequel. So it's it's exciting knowing it's that good of a game. Yep, and Milton, when you get your PS5 for NCAA next next summer, you're, you'll have to eventually pick pick up those two games because <laughs> if you're without, a fan of Force Unleashed, you're gonna like these, I think. Yeah, that's why I'm not getting one until then because I'm not wasting my money on that game until I get a five. So, yep. Yeah, you are better. Well, actually, you can't even play it right now on anything but a five. So, in your defense, that, that that's good. That makes sense. <laughs> what about you, Ben? What's your number three? Um, yeah, I would say my three. See, like when I like I said when I was putting this list together, it was a tough one, and, and I'm not gonna lie, guys. Like when we talked about Bad Batch at the beginning. I honestly forgot that released at the beginning of this year. I thought it was at the end of like the end of 2022. No. So that's why that's why I for, I honestly I swear to God I forgot it was at the beginning of this year because I was like oh yeah that was the beginning of this year. Um, so yeah, good call there again bringing that up, Milton. Um, but yeah, for me, when I was putting this list together, I was like, man, I don't know what to like add to the list. Like I had Ahsoka, I like the products. Um, but for me, I would say. My number three thing would have to be the Star Wars audiobooks. And, like, of course, you know, everyone knows, like, me and Milton love the Star Wars audiobooks on here. But this year, like, I really got back into them more. And, like, you know, over the summer, I listened to the Heir to the Empire, like, the original Thrawn trilogy. And, you know, they're, they're excellent production value. You know, you have your ships, your lightsabers, your blasters, your, you know, Mark Thompson doing an amazing job with the voice acting. So, like, that really, like, you know, triggered me into getting, you know, back more into, like, the Star Wars audiobooks. And, like, um, you know, and, and the Legends books specifically. And the cool thing about that is, like, you know, of course, you know, me and Milton have probably... We've, we've read more Legends material than we even remember because we probably read virtually everything out there for Legends. <laughs> and, um, and, like, now um, I'm pretty much just going to be using, like my audible credits unless there's like a new current canon like there's nothing wrong with with current canon books like you know a lot of people enjoy them but like with me like you know getting back into the old thrawn trilogy like it's it's like got me back more into the like looking at legend stuff mindset so now i'm gonna start like probably like slowly chipping away and adding a new um a new legends book to my audible collection every month because like i have the um the Thrawn duology right now, and when I finish that up, I think I'm gonna do the uh, the Luke Jedi Academy trilogy because oh. that's because that's a really good one. Cause see, 
I wish, I wish I would, I wish before I started the Thrawn duology, because this book, this, this two book series takes place like 10 years after Heir to the Empire. But the thing is, the Luke Jedi Academy books basically take place in between those, um, you know, the, oh. the three and then the two. So I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I would have, you know, now I'm halfway through, so yeah. I have to finish them. So, but I wish I would have, would have done that. Because the thing is, this is the really cool thing about like the legend stuff. Okay. Like here, here's my here's my my, my our, our legends pitch here. <laughs> like right, the cool thing about the, the the cool thing about legends is like back then there was a not a quote unquote like you know like hey cohesive checklist canon as much as like at least as much as like Disney's attempting to do with Lucasfilm right now. Um, but the thing is, they still followed like a rough guideline of the story. So you know like. When the when the heir of the empire trilogy ends, like the books that take place after, like the Jedi Academy trilogy, things like that, they still push the story along that same timeline with the you know still referencing the events of the mm -hmm. Thrawn trilogy, mm -hmm. and you know it continues on. And then the cool thing, like you know, you get to the duology, like that kind of like you know there are some other books in between there too, but like all those books kind of roughly follow the same arc, and you know like when you get to the Thrawn duology books, like. You know, you have the events that have taken place, like they're referencing it from the Jedi Academy books and things. Like, you know, so you have like a rough continuity. I mean, heck, even spoiler warning for anybody who hasn't read, you know, these pretty much 20 year old books now, but like in one of the early books of the Yuz and Vong series, like Chewbacca dies. And, you know, the cool thing about that time period is even though there was not a technical, hey, you know, ironclad canon, they didn't. They never used Chewbacca in the books after that, like in future stories. Like they just left him out because, you know, he died. So so it's just it's cool that they, you know, back then with the legend stuff, they still like kind of roughly followed canon for the most part, or roughly followed like the book the, the paper canon as like Matthew says. So like, you know, um so that's a cool thing. So yeah, I'm gonna just pretty much like start getting back into like you know, checking out some Legends books here and there and, you know, sprinkling in some current canon books, of course, as well. Um, but yeah, so, like I said, I'm finishing up the duology now, probably going to pick up the Jedi Academy trilogy, and then we'll um, we'll go from there. Yeah, the funny thing is, well, not funny, but the cool thing is that you're getting to these Legends audiobooks is that I mentioned these a few times before. The Star Wars The Essential Legends collection, a lot of the times puts out new audiobooks for books that yep. either don't have one or have a, an abridged so they go the unabridged route the whole story uh remastered narrated all that good stuff um i'm looking up as i'm looking up this i'm trying to figure out if it came out this year i think it was and this is saying something because i don't usually dive into legends um Kind of the same way you are, Ben. You don't really dive into canon. I don't really dive into legends. Sometimes there's a little bit of a crossover. In fact, of, and I think Milton mentioned this last week, of the Sam Sam Witwer narrated Star Wars Shadowhunters Essential Legends Collection book. Right. That was sick. Like, dude, it, that's so good. Having the actor actually, like, talking and then doing his, his version of Sidious is just as good. And it's like, dude, my ears are just so so soothed yeah. by these dark siders right now listening to these guys i'm at the gym working out and there you got maul just wrecking people and then palpatine just saying these doctrines of the dark side i'm like yes i'm getting enraged you know at, at the gym listening to this stuff so yeah give give that one a try to rogue squadron they have the underbridged audio 
books that I was listening to, all yeah. that good stuff. Oh, yeah, there's 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 plenty of good audiobooks out there. You know, I'm always listening to them, and of course you are too, Milton. I know you love them. Oh, without question. I mean, I listen to those all day. I'm always either listening to them at night when I go to bed or some type of review of the book. So I, I just I just love learning more about them. But um, speaking of Palpatine, you dropped, you name-dropped old Palpy. Um, <laughs> my, my number three is go back to a show. Bad Batch, his episode. When mm. was in it for like less than maybe four minutes, five minutes of his episode when they were going over the whole clone trooper conspiracy or stormtrooper conspiracy thing, which was dope. There they showing the 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 formation of the Imperial Stormtrooper. Yep. And I consistently go back to rewatch that scene when I'm mm. doing cardio at the gym because it gets me invigorated. <laughs> Serious, like Palpatine. I, I tell myself all the time, Palpatine is one of the most patient villains of all time, whether it's in cinema history or TV history. I mean, for for a guy going back to the Palpatine Plagueis book from age when he meets uh, Plagueis, gets in doctrine to when he takes over as Chancellor, and then when he's corrupting and grooming Anakin. That's what sixty years of yeah. putting a plant like he's the most patient villain of all time, but even that though when he takes over the the republic mm. when he, he becomes emperor Palpatine he still isn't in full control of what he wants yet no. he the imperial stormtrooper program to be in effect and he played everybody that's what's great mm -hmm. about that theme is that Rampart said I was following orders. Which he was, because someone instructed him to do that. And Palpatine just flipped it and said, well, the, 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 the clone troopers just blindly followed orders, and that's disturbing, because they, they should have hearts. They should have feelings. This is why we need the Imperial Stormtrooper to have human beings who aren't clones. So he had manipulated it, flipped it, got what he wanted. When The whole time, that's what he wanted. He just needed to figure out a way to phase out the clones. And he... Yeah. he it was beautiful. So, to me, that's number three, and that's only number three. And and I I love that's my favorite episode probably in Bad Batch, except for maybe the premiere of season one. Um. So yeah, number three all day. Yeah, oh, Milton. Yeah. That, so <laughs> that that episode was great though. Like you know, it showed, like you said, it showed Palpatine's patience. It showed his whole, you know, just conniving, planning, being an amazing villain. Um. And yeah, he just, I don't know, it's really cool just to see, like, how they, like, they nailed that character. You know, for whatever we can say about Sid and everybody else in that show, Palpatine, they just nailed him perfectly. So, like, that was such, like, a satisfying episode. And like you said, it's probably either the best or, like, top two or three minimum for that show. So, um, you know, that's huge to, um, you know, just to say, like, hey, an animated show is, like, in your top five, top three Star Wars like things of this year. Mm. Yeah, I, I this is the reason why I didn't want to go into too much detail of Bad Batch because I had a feeling that you were going to talk about this episode because why? How couldn't you talk about this episode if you're talking about Bad Batch season two? I think Batch. at the time we said it was one of the best moments in Star Wars. Like that's that's <laughs> how much we love this part. It's just like 
just the gravitas and the impact of this moment is something we've been wanting to see for a while, but just like the way that they, they pull the rug out from under you, like, oh wait, Palpatine, I've, and I was telling you guys, I, I've, I just finished reading, by the way, the reviews on the channel right now before I forget, the Dawn of the Rebellion uh, visual guide. It includes like this moment in there about like, oh yeah, Palpatine phased out the clones and Palpatine never would show up to the Senate. After the Empire, he never shows his face. It's always Grand Vizier Masamita, who's always the one that's like spearheading the council. So whenever the Palpatine shows up, you know that some crap is about to go down. And in a case, yep. we see that happen brilliantly in this moment where he's flipping the control. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm saying like it's he, he's by far one of the greatest villains of all time. I mean, and, and I'm sure people can argue otherwise about other villains, whether it's sci-fi, fiction, non-fiction, whatever. But, I mean, he... There is just something about him where it's like... And, and I'm going to say it in this way. I'm not trying to glorify any villain, per se. But look at Adolf Hitler back in Nazi Germany. How he was able to manipulate an entire mm -hmm. civilization of people to turn on another civilization, where he created World War Two, mm -hmm. which... It, which it did do significant damage to the world, but like imagine if he would have actually won and was in control for twenty plus years. Yeah. Imagine yeah. now with Nazi Germany being in control of Europe for thirty years, and we like, oh my god, the impact would have had on world economy, people's output on life, you know, academia, athletics, like whatever you can think of, like the impact. And Palpatine had that type of power. And it's like, yeah. so that's why, that's why I like that character so much. I like how George wrote him because he's like, this is what life could have been like if Adolf Hitler was in this position. You know, yeah. I, I feel comparisons to Adolf Hitler and Palpatine. Again, I'm not, I'm not glorifying anyone, anything, guys. So please don't kill me on social media. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I mean, yeah, I, we know that yeah, George. We know he he took a lot of influence from. Um, history, right? Vietnam War with with the Battle of Endor, Return of the Jedi. The you know the the Ewoks are like the Viet Cong or whatever, toppling America, the Empire or whatever. You know stuff like that. So, it, you, you, the thing about Star Wars is is you learn lessons, right? This is this is what we don't yep. want our nation to be like having some crazy dictator in charge, right? So, this is this is no. the lessons we learn. That's why it's one of the the, the best modern myth yes. of our generation. And he, he takes a lot from religion, philosophy, mm -hmm. politics. You know, look at look at the fall of Anakin Skywalker. This is where my nerd side comes out because I like reading about this stuff. Anakin Skywalker's fall is very much like Paradise Lost, which is written by John Milton, which was the fall of oh, Satan yeah. of Lucifer, fallen from God, oh fallen angel. Like it's look at that. Like it's a lot of comparisons. So I don't know. It, it's it's cool when you see an animated show take real life themes. And make it feel like, oh my god, this is really impactful. Like talking about it now, I got goosebumps because that yeah. episode just brought. I'm like, god damn, that's such a great episode. Oh, oh yeah, that that episode's iconic. Now speaking of Palpatine, not to like sidetrack the podcast too far, even though we do do so, we do that sometimes. I was gonna actually throw out a question to you, Chris. Now that we're on the Palpatine like taking over subjects, I just thought of this, and it might be um maybe something even our listeners haven't don't know either, um. Do we know in canon, like, what what Palpatine... So, like, what was the conversation Tarkin was talking about in A New Hope? That's one thing I've never understood about that movie, is, like, when Tarkin says, like, 
you know, the local governors, like when he when he talks about oh, yeah, like yeah. the um, you know, what what's that about? Because I honestly, I was gonna message you about that a couple weeks ago, and I forgot to. And now that we're on Palpatine, I'm like, hey, you know, he talks about like the emperor, like you know, doing that whole thing, and I was like, okay, what's that even about? That's all about okay. So the Senate, there was a Senate, the Galactic Imperial Senate, that was for 20 years. They're basically not doing much. It was really the emperor, the emperor that was really controlling. He was making them seem like they had power, but he couldn't show his hand yet. Once, once the Death Star was fully operational, constructed, th th there's no more need for the, the Galactic Senate because they have the super weapon. They're they're under. They can't be destroyed. They would rule the galaxy by fear. He would put governors mm. like Tarkin into certain sectors to just kind of hold power. But once that Death Star was constructed, that shows the true face of the Empire as a dominating oh, okay. power. And then there was like, oh, mm. well, why do we need the Senate? We're just going to make these people do what we want them because we'll just threaten them with the Death Star destroying their planet. Which okay, was yeah. I wondered that. To go back to Rogue, Rogue One then, Ben, too, when he talks about how he says if the rebel, if the the galaxy or whatever if the Republic or something finds wind of this, they're, they're going to turn to the Rebellion. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I, I never even thought about that. Like, I, I always wondered that conversation. I never asked you guys about it. I was like, man, I wonder like exactly what the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Off at Tart Earth at a, a clinic because the weapon was like being leaked and they're like, mm -hmm. no, get out because if the, if the Republic finds this out or if like the Senate finds out, they're going to be like, oh my God, the, the Empire is out here doing some off-the-wall stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, good stuff. Good to know. <laughs> good stuff there. All right, for my number two, I'm going to step away from canon and, and, and you know, the lore of Star Wars and jump into a real-life situation of going to Galaxy's Edge. I've been there before in California. Um, it was a short stay there, but this is the time I went to Disney World uh, with the whole family, family vacation, and uh, spending the larger part of an entire day in that darn place was... You know, it's everything that, that Disney wants you to do. Spend a lot of money and spend a lot of time in their theme parks. Their primary concern, I would say, for the most part. And it worked on me. I'm, I'm one of those people. It worked on me. I got, you know, I, as we were talking about lightsabers before, I built my lightsaber. It was a really cool experience. Really felt the, the mysticism and the force and all that good stuff because it was a really cool ceremony. Got to try blue milk. Got to try all this cool stuff. See Ray walking around. See some... Stormtroopers trying to heckle us in the bar, you know, it was just, and then going right on Rise of the Resistance, which was kind of mind-blowing because it's it's kind of a ride, but kind of like an experience, like a dramatic, like rendition of like being literally in a Star Wars adventure um, without spoiling it. Um, so that effing blew my mind. So, and Star Tours, going ride on Star Tours is always a blast. It's fun um, doing that all the time, but um. Yeah, just overall, just being immersed in Star Wars, like feeling I was there. So, you guys, once in your life, you got it. You got to try either Disneyland or Disney World. It's it's so cool. Oh yeah, I've heard so many good things about it. I mean, my uh, my younger cousin and his girlfriend went there this year, and they they you know they had a really mm -hmm. good time with it. And you know, he spammed me with so many Snapchats of <laughs> it and everything. And um, like my phone, my phone, I just had to turn it on silent for a little bit there. Cause it was just like, bing, 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 bing. Cause he was oh just like my. live Snapchatting me, like everything he was seeing. Um, but it looks like a really cool time. And you know, I want to go there eventually. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was your number two, Ben? Yeah. I would say my number two 
wasn't really, you know, well, it's kind of similar to your theme of, of not really Star Wars content. Um, it was more just like Star Wars connections of like connecting with new people on social media oh. and like, you know, in the content creation space um, in terms of like new friends I've made, new content creators I've came across over this year in terms of Star Wars. There's actually a really cool, um, there's a cool, uh, there's a cool couple I came across. So their their channel's called a Star Wars couple, or I think it or it might be two Star Wars nerds or something. Anyways, I follow them on Instagram and it's really cool because you know they posted a video before and they were like, hey, you know we're not fans of like the Disney Star Wars and that's totally fine, and you know we're just gonna we're just yeah and we're just gonna cover, you know and go and review and you know be a couple and cover old Legends material and that's all mm. they do. They just post videos talking Legends stuff. They don't mention you know they don't bash anything of this new Star Wars stuff. It's cool like they just. They do it as a couple, as like a free time. So it's cool just seeing like content creators do that and just, you know, dive into their own niche and not even like, you know, feed into the negativity or eat, feed into the like divisiveness that can be Star Wars. Like we all know that as Star Wars fans, like there can be divisiveness. So like, it's cool like seeing creators like that or like some of my other like, you know, closer friends like Star Wars Santa. He's a fellow YouTuber <laughs> and he, he's, he's, he's a pretty good dude. He's from around here in Ohio. Like I became good friends with him. Me and him were just messaging a couple days ago, actually. And then even, you know, of course my other friends that I've had for a few years, I'm always talking to him, Jason Ward from making star Wars or Bespin bulletin. Those guys are always cool. Or Hannah from the race side, um, people like that. I mean, heck, even not even in the star Wars community, I made friends like, for example, in the Madden community, the, um, the Madden streamer, his name's or his channel's name is Buffalo K. Um, and he actually is a huge, huge Star Wars fan, like huge Star Wars fan. Like he follows all this stuff, like in detail as much as like us three do. Um, so, you know, um, I was commenting before, like in his Twitch chat and then like he followed me on Twitter and then now me and him message back and forth all the time about Star Wars stuff. So it's cool. Like, you know, we're not even talking about Madden. We're talking about Star Wars all the time. So it's cool. Just like the new connections I made through, you know, this channel through like hosting a podcast with you guys also just like connecting with folks on social media um you know social media can have its down downsides right. but it can have its good sides too like you know becoming good friends with other other people like that i mean like heck i've you know i've like i said with star wars santa for example you know me and him are good friends like he actually does you know he does his star wars shows every week but he he actually goes and he does like on the side of his real job he goes and actually does live you know, Santa meet and greets, or he does virtual Santa calls for like, you know, 20 bucks for little kids. So like, you know, like he told me before, hey, if you ever need something for like your nieces, like, just let me know. Like, you know, so like, you know, just it's cool just meeting really, uh, really nice people like that in the Star Wars community. And, you know, there's plenty of other awesome Star Wars creators I've came across this year. I, I haven't mentioned, but like, you know, there's just so many of them. I mean, heck, Star Wars Meg, I've talked with her here and there. Like, so it's cool just like meeting all these different Star Wars creators throughout the year and I would say that's like my number two one because it's just nice like making new friends I mean I became friends with you guys because of Star Wars like you know mm -hmm. Milton Milton was on here with Chris getting interviewed one time for the original iteration of this show and right. then you know I connected with Chris and I pretty much like harassed Chris into starting a podcast I was like come on dude you gotta start a podcast on your channel <laughs> like that's that's what everybody's doing and I kept like harassed him on twitter saying come on you gotta start it you gotta start it now me and him are friends and we're hosting a podcast together so so um so yeah it, it's a it's a good time like you know being involved in like the star wars community yeah 
Dude, I think I've said this before. If it wasn't for like podcasts, I probably would have been way out of Star Wars. I probably would have just been I don't know what life would be like without Star. There'd be a lot a lot more money in my wallet, I'll tell you that much. But you know, it was just podcasting and, and then meeting people, yeah, it makes it it really helps having friends to just bounce stuff off of. Whether it's like, oh, you find out you're you know, I found out one of my coworkers um is a big fan of Star Wars. So me and him are talking all the time about Star Wars and it's just so funny um, that he actually knew about the channel as and didn't know that I was the guy that had the channel until I told him, you know, beforehand. So yeah. there's this crazy well, stuff like this that happens and it just brings us all closer together. Well, well, look at this channel. Like since we've started this podcast, look how much all three of us has gone from, like I don't want to speak for Milton because I'm sure this was your point, but like, look, you went from being single before to like you're having a girlfriend and you're introducing her into star wars like we me and chris saw that or all of our viewers we saw that progression from her like you saying oh i'm with my friend watching star wars with my friend watching star wars and then eventually boom you know he's in a relationship watching star wars so like it's, it's <laughs> awesome seeing that yeah definitely has been a journey and it's 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 really fun when you can get the partner to start buying stuff that's star wars and you're like Wait, you bought that without me telling you to buy that? Like, like they're like, oh yeah, this is a really cool like piece of luggage. It's Darth Vader. I said that's badass. Like, <laughs> that's, a, that's that's actually a good point. Just because, um, my so this past Christmas, this isn't my number two, but this past Christmas, um, she we wanted to do like ugly sweater themes. So, the oh no, she wanted to do matching pajamas, and I said, okay, well you got to get an ugly sweater. And she cool, she got this cool Darth Vader Stormtrooper ugly sweater. It's not an ugly sweater, but it's like a Christmas oh, theme. Yeah, yeah. I, I was pretty impressed with it. I told her that. I'm like, that's a cool sweater. But, like, she wouldn't have got that if she wasn't with me. You know, and, yeah. and she might deny that, but it's true. <laughs> um, she, she likes that kind of stuff low-key, I think. She sees, again, she's not a nerd, but she definitely does enjoy that I like it. And if I explain it to her, like, I'll sit there and she'll ask me a question about something. She'll be like, what does that mean? About blah, blah, blah. And yesterday, my dad, we went to dinner with my dad. And we were talking about Star Wars somehow. And he's like, he's like, you know who 3PO is? And she looks at me. She's like, I know 3PO, right? I'm like, yeah, Golden Robot. So, like, he, he knew she just had to, like, get triggered. You know? Yeah. So, But, I mean, you're right. I think your original point about meeting friends and connecting in this community, it's important. That's nice. Especially when you know things can be super negative, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, having a podcast or a platform where you can connect with fans on a positive note, it's always good. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to disagree. It's okay to debate. Just do it respectfully. Have fun with it. Sometimes it might get heated, but all honestly, it's all out of love because we just love the property. That's, That's right. All. That's it's right. Like, oh, yeah. It's like talking sports. Look, I'm an Eagles fan. I have plenty of friends who love the Cowboys, who <clears> like the Steelers. Do, do I like those teams? Hell no. But I'm going to say, hey, this is why I don't like it in a respectful manner. Maybe talk a little crap in between, but honestly, it's all out of love for our squad. That's all it is. Um, oh, yeah. But my number two mm -hmm. is my number two is all the Hayden Christians and stuff in Ahsoka. Easily. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Time to question. Like, like, so, and I'd actually tell you something because my number one, I, I just, we'll get to that later, but Anything Hayden Christensen and Ahsoka, 
I ate it up like it was like it was candy. So like, he's that cool. He's that good of a like of an actor when it comes to that character. Like, dude, you can't go wrong with Hayden. Give me a live action Hayden Christensen so with with him just by himself. That's all I need. Oh yeah, can't argue, oh, yeah. Can't, can't argue that man. Like like that moment. Like, I think for us Star Wars fans, of course, like, we always have the Luke Mando moment as probably the Mount Everest. But this is, like, the Hayden Christensen moment is so big for Star Wars fans because it's right up there. Because, you know, Hayden getting all the love from, like, the fans and, you know, him coming back and all the hoopla around it. And just, just like, seeing the warm welcome, seeing the pictures of him and Rosario, um... You know, those type of things. Like, think, guys, Rosario leaked that years ago. Yeah. And we talked about it. We talked about it. The funny thing is, is we talked about it probably in 2021 on our year-in-review wrap-up on this show. We probably talked about it, you know, Rosario posting, because it was around Thanksgiving or Christmas when she posted that. So, like, it's awesome getting to see that finally come to fruition. Mm. And, like, you know, of course, for someone like, you know, all three of us, but especially you, Milton, for how much you love, like, you know, the prequels and behind the scenes and Hayden and Revenge of the Sith, like, you know, I'm sure that was like such a huge moment for you because it's like, boom, it's like seeing kind of kind of seeing Revenge of the Sith. Obviously, you know, Clone Wars is taking place before that. But like, but, you know, it's kind of like going back to Revenge of the Sith more in like modern times with Hayden. And he looked so good, like in the fight with him and Ahsoka, like he looked great in that costume. I oh, see. I sent you guys that behind the scenes video or was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like on Instagram. Yeah, week or two ago and it's like i'm glad like i'm glad that the, they, they look good doing it now you can definitely tell he's the more skilled which obviously with the character he would be more skilled oh yeah hayden was born to, to fight with a lightsaber i don't care what anybody tells me like nick gillard taught that man well and nick, and it's a yeah. trap that nick gillard is not part of the star wars community in the sense of making the movies Making the shows, he's the best fight coordinator. I don't care what, on the planet when it comes to sword fighting or whatnot. Maybe from the the raid films when it comes to choreography of like weapons and stuff. But this man with the lightsaber, he should be the only one that should be core besides Ray Park. He should be the only one besides Ray Park that should be choreographing lightsaber duels when it comes to Star Wars. Oh yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean the thing is with with his appearance at Ahsoka, it's like Anakin Skywalker. Uh, Hayden Christensen rather finally gets the the damn flowers he deserves or or has always had right or has always needed I guess from a certain point of view because people always gave him crap for the prequels of like oh the delivery sucks like what is going on this is so just one note and just cringy and it's like no this was kind of the fault of the writing and the direction not his fault because uh, then we see this happening in this and it's like he is so good. There's no. I don't think I've heard one person out there saying his delivery was wooden or one note. Like he carried that episode really on his shoulders. Just I'm again, about to say, yeah. On the screen, especially when it comes to the shows, whether it's this or or Kenobi, he he stole the show. I'm sorry, like he he stole the show, and I, I'm I'm tired of that sentiment of like, oh, he was trashed back in 2000. 3, 2005. It's like, miss me with that. First of all, he's only like 21, 22 years old. He's still, he's still a young actor. Two, you're right. Some of it's the writing. But at the same time, that's the direction he was given. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like... The, the, the thing with that, though, Milton, is like, a lot of people talk about the writing. Don't get me wrong. 
I think there's, um, you know, obviously issues with those, some of those things. Like, you know, to me, it's just some of the stuff like you're cutting from Kenobi and Django being action-packed to boom it, like dead stopping in the meadow with, with Padme and Anakin. But the thing is, a lot of the Anakin stuff, people forget... Like, a lot of the Vader stuff in the original trilogy was really wooden. It was really cheesy. Like, I mean, think about, um, you know, people talk about, you know, the cheesiness of, like, some of Anakin's lines. But the funny thing is, is if you paint a Darth Vader costume over Anakin in the in the, in the prequels, you would buy those lines because, like, they're Vader-esque. A lot of them are. And, right. like, and, you know, like, I, I was even, like, a harsh critic of... Rogue One when Vader was doing his like jokes with Krennic and then one of my <laughs> friends kind of checked me on it and was like yo you gotta remember um you talk so good about the original trilogy remember Vader had some jokes in the OT and I was like yeah that yep. is like a fair that's like a fair thing because I mean you know remember apology accepted Captain Nita like that whole thing <laughs> you know so he has he has cheesy things like that in the original trilogy and I think a lot of the stuff like from that yep. prequel era it's just like bleeding over from mm -hmm. You know, some of those, like, more harsher fans back in the day, and now, you know, a lot of people, like, in our, our age generation, like, 20s, 30s, even early 40s to a degree, like, people are appreciating it now, like, going, oh, yeah, like, it actually kind of connects with the OT, and it stays consistent with the Anakin character, because, like, realistically, if you guys think about it, if, like, Anakin was a, I don't know, Oscar-worthy acting performance in the prequel trilogy then how could you explain his, his attitude in the OT? Like, you know, so it's just, uh, I, I'm, I like that they did it that way. Um, even though some people didn't, but it's, it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a consistency with the character. They really nailed it in my opinion. Like if he, and this is where I think anyone can argue like, well, look, look at the books, you know, look at the screenplay. Cause you look at revenge of the Sith book and attack of the clones book, the right, those, those, and I've listened to the attack of the clone books, months like a month or two ago the way they fleshed him out and how he was going through excellent. it was excellent so to me like the character was consistent from day one to when he is vader it's the fact that movies trim out a lot of things movies take put things in different contexts so it is what it is and, that, and that's why to me I, I don't necessarily forgive it i let it be what it is you know yep All so right. So getting down to our number one Star Wars thing of 2023, I'm going to go with my trip to Star Wars Celebration London. I've been to Celebrations, my third one, but it was it was something special. I, I mean, I could break up all the Celebration memories into its own top five for the year. Um, but just the idea that I was able to actually host a panel in front of like a couple hundred people it was like am i getting it over my head over this i had ethan Sachs, writer of the bounty hunters stories comics i had adam christopher writer of the amazing uh star wars uh shadow of the sith i had uh matt booker from fanta tracks i had kieran duggan from the star wars underworld uh, network as well as dominic jones from the star wars underworld network all of us were there. I was moderating the panel, talking about bounty hunters, talking about a whole fun of stuff. Uh, we even had Dengar in costume just standing there vigilant at, at the side of the stage for the whole hour. Shout out to that guy. He was awesome. But, you know, it was just a, it was awesome. Ben, you brought up fan interaction and just that's what what I really do for this anymore, right? Just having a channel here, being able to actually talk to people in person, being able to connect with the audience, have a fun game, uh, ask 
get Q and A. People standing up asking us questions. It was just, it was just an awesome experience. It was kind of like, yeah, it's good to give back to the community. I've been going to these conventions for a while, so I was like, yeah, why, why not? Why not throw my hat into the ring? And I was surprised they even accepted my my whole spiel there. And it was like, yeah, this was actually really fun, and I would totally do it again, you know. And it's. That whole thing, uh, Chris Forsyth, he's in our chat. He was there, you know, two Americans, idiots, walking around Europe. Just, <laughs> it's like, it was so many fun memories. And even the, the convention itself, right? Like, we got these mega announcements of, you know, three movies being announced and all this awesome stuff being shown. It was just, yeah, this is, this is what I go to Celebration for, to meet people, to reconnect with people, to network, to just being a whole new city or in my case a whole new country a whole new continent i've never been into it was one hell of an adventure and yeah just ah oh man i can't wait till 2025 i guess i'm going to japan still i guess that that's still in the works i guess i still am going uh i keep saying that and my girlfriend keeps saying why do you keep questioning yourself we're going and i'm like yeah i guess we're going she wants to go more than i do so it's like this is what's gonna happen hey you gotta make a good vacation of it man and like the cool thing with Celebration, it's like, you know, like you said, you have so many interactions with the fans. I mean, heck, even for us back on back home, back here, um, not even at Celebration, it's cool getting to interact with people online because, like, you know, like we mentioned, the Star Wars community can be kind of negative sometimes. Like, that's I don't think that's an understatement or, like, that shocking. But when it comes to, like, Celebration time, most people are happy and excited and positive online. Like... You know, it's so much fun, like, getting your interactions, like, all of a sudden, like, you know, Chris is, like, spamming us with, like, a tons, tons of photos in the, in the in our group chat, like, talking about what's going on at Celebration, and then, like, you know, it's fun, like, tuning into watch parties of, like, other creators, whether it be, like, Santa or, or Hannah or any of these other creators that are doing these watch parties, and, like, you know, when it's an overseas one... I was waking up at like 4 a.m. to like do these watch yeah. parties and watch watch these people streaming because you know they're like six or seven hours ahead of us here on on the East Coast. So um, you know it was just a really good time getting to uh, even experience celebration from at home, like getting those exciting announcements and like seeing everybody's like reactions in real time. You know because it's kind of like almost watching you know when we're all watching a new episode of Ahsoka or Mando or whatever live. You know you're seeing people live tweet in real time. And, like, you know, that's what we were getting with Star Wars Celebration. We were getting people reacting on streams. We were getting people posting their reactions. And we were getting, you know, stuff from people on the ground there. Like, so that's always, like, a really nice part of Celebration, in my opinion. Even from an at-home perspective. Oh, yeah. They put on one hell of a production. Uh, bring up Hayden Christensen. The guy was brought to tears because of the reception. Dude. You could have been on the other side of the Excel Center, and when he got up to that live stage, no matter where you were in a convention center, and that was a huge-ass convention center, mind you, you could hear the cheering, the ruckus. People were giving him a standing ovation for, like, freaking five minutes straight, and the guy couldn't hold himself together, you know, because well, it was just, like, so much uh, emotion like, just everybody loves the guy. This is before we even knew he was in Ahsoka. This is just for, you know, the Obi-Wan series and, and, and him coming back for that. Oh, yeah. Well, I think his his um, his um whole, like, celebration was great. It was great seeing people's reaction to Daisy. Also, for me, I think my biggest one I, was, I loved, though, seeing was Dave Filoni's reaction on stage was mm. awesome. Like, 
you know, seeing him react, seeing him be so grateful to the fans, like he was tearing up and like saying like, hey guys, like, you know, even if I wasn't working here for these guys, like I'd be out there in the crowd with you yeah. guys and stuff. Like that's how big of a fan I am. So it was cool just seeing like even Dave like get teary eyed. Like, so, so, um, you know, I, I think this last celebration was a really, you know, it was a really, really big success. Even um, Lars Mickelson, Lars Mickelson was another big one. Like his reaction, I genuinely don't think, like, don't get me wrong, of course, like, Dave and everybody involved with, with Ahsoka, do, you know, they do their jobs, but I don't think they even, like, explained to to Lars how important the Thrawn character is to hardcore Star Wars fans. Because, like, you can see it. Like, when he walks out on stage and sits down, you can see how, like, shocked he is. He's, like, <laughs> you know, he can hardly speak. He's so, like, just surprised people are excited for a, a guy painted blue, like, you know? So I, I really uh, like that part of it as well. Yeah, and it just kills me every time I think about it because he was there on stage at the li- in, the, in the live center, whatever it was called, live stage with Ray Stevenson. And just the passion. He was really excited too. The, the passion that Ray Stevenson had. This guy was so like connected with the energy of the crowd. He was like a, a kid in a candy store, just like so excited and exuberant. And then it's like, oh, geez, like the fate of him. It's just like, I wish he could have like just seen the every all the outcry for how good his character was. And it's just like he he felt like he was really just engaged. I mean, it's hard not to be when you go to those things, right? Like people don't know what to expect. They have one thing in their mind and then they go up and it's just like they go on a stage and they just get just crazy applause and craziness. So yeah, there's there's my number one. It's not a series, it's not a book, it's not a comic, it's it's an experience. What's your number one, Ben? Yeah, I mean that's that's a good number one for sure for you. For me, it isn't um comic a book a product or anything like that or creators or anything my number one it's a surprising one it's actually a very surprising one i'm sure mm. my number one is a round of applause to kathleen kennedy actually because <laughs> I, Holy I i i know i know what's, that, I'm, what's I'm happening this, right this, now this, this isn't April Fool's. This isn't April Fool's. This is December seventeenth. Yeah, it's a little early for April Fool's, folks. But no, my applause is to Kathleen Kennedy for finally being aware. This this may sound like kind of cynic, cynic, cynicish, but kind of being aware enough to finally make the right move and promote Dave Filoni to his creative spot. Now you know where he's going to be involved with. Pretty much everything going forward with Star Wars, you know, not really 2024, you know, nobody can count that because he wasn't there or he wasn't in that position. But like 2025 forward, like Dave is going to be involved in virtually like everything to a degree or at least, you know, he's not going to be like obviously writing everything, but he's going to be touching everything. So that's the important thing that he'll have some sort of indirect impact even on so many of these projects moving forward maybe you know maybe if there's like a little weird hang up for like the second see if they we do a second season of acolyte you know maybe dave gives a little input like hey maybe try this or do this or like you know something like that or you know for another another season of um you know any of these shows coming up because you know after the mando stuff and acolyte and and or we really don't know what's on the horizon for star wars on disney plus honestly so you know dave's gonna probably be impacting those things so like all of that stuff, like I said, it's and and of course we can't we can't go without mentioning Dave's promotion without including Carrie Beck too. Like mm. she's very important. She's very important to this process too yeah. because she's pretty much been like 
kind of like Dave's Padawan almost, you know, it's yeah. kind of like, it's kind of like the Qui-Gon to Obi-Wan to Anakin thing. It's like, you know, George is Qui-Gon and then Dave's Obi-Wan and then Anakin's kind of um, Carrie. It's kind of like, you know, one, two, three. And it's great that Carrie's in the room as well. So having Carrie back and Dave Filoni up in pretty much the hierarchy, the top three of Lucasfilm alongside Kathy is finally like, like to me, I think that was such a monument, monumental, monumental moment for like Star Wars history for fans and for future projects alike. Just because now, like, it was to me, it was a collective moment. Most fans were like, finally, like yep. you know, we we've had we've had a lot of opinions about Star Wars. Could be divisive, could be not, but it finally feels like Star Wars is aware and like they're on track, like they're finally going in the right direction like you know because we've had so many different things like you know this be controversial that be controversial this show not work out that show not work out etc 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 like now like a lot of fans have that feeling where it's like hey they're finally heading in the right direction and like for me like i said of course dave getting the, the promotion and carrie getting the promotion it ha has to do with their hard work but those positions weren't there before they were created like from from what i know from people that are like um knowing mm -hmm. in that situation you know there was no you know head of creative like dave or head of development like like carrie like those were those are new positions that were okay. created specifically for them so you know again like that harkens back like i can be very critical of kathleen kennedy a, a, a lot of times and it's well deserved it's earned but my biggest applause my number one thing of this year has to be kathleen kennedy like maybe becoming more aware and like stepping up and making these promotions for Dave and Carrie for moving forward. And it makes me um, semi-speculate because, you know, Kathy did turn 70 this year. So like a lot of people retire when they're older. So maybe she retires in two or three or four years. So like maybe she's setting these two up as kind of the successors to really, uh, you know, of course right now they're in the, they're in the heads of, they're in the top three people at Lucasfilm, but like, mm -hmm you know, they're going to have a big impact on Lucasfilm moving forward if she would retire in the coming years. So, like, you know, props to her for, like, making the right decision. And I, um, yeah, like that, it earned my number one spot for, it, for the year. Yeah, Ben, I think it makes, uh, yeah, this shocks me, but it's, it's, it's good the logic or the rationale you're putting in. Um, the idea, I think, that, that we're seeing, and we talked about this in our discussion of this very topic when it was first announced, the idea that Lucasfilm is like get, entering maybe a new era, perhaps. Like, they have seen what has worked, one has, what hasn't worked in the last, you know, eight years, whatever, um, and now they're getting ready to be like, okay, we're not going to announce things so far ahead. When they're ready, they're ready. We're going to take our time with projects if it's not working, we're going to cut them out. We're not going to start announcing things, hopefully, until like a couple months before they start shooting. And it just seems like there's a lot more clarity on where they need to go forward based on making hiring moves like this that are so publicly viewed as positive. It's like, yes, this is a guy that we've, you know, he's the Padawan of, of George Lucas. He knows everything that George knows, mostly, probably. Um, so he is the best one to help steer the ship for creativity, being involved in these projects a lot earlier in their conception um, than just adding notes of the planets and different, you know, characters. Yeah. This is more of the formulation of this is 
how George might see this perspective. And this is maybe the elements of Star Wars that need to go here and maybe put this thing over there, right? So it's a lot more hands-on, hopefully. We're, we're doing a lot of speculating, but this is kind of what it seemed like was in the press release or when it was first announced. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's deserved. Like I said, I, I, I can give credit where credit is due, and, you know, I have to give Kathy credit where, where it's due. <laughs> nice. All uh, right. I think my number one. This is me can being consistently consistent. Star Wars Visions. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I even put that in the notes. Whoops. <laughs> e easily, dude. Like you know, y'all know how I feel about the animation shows. That's been the most consistent thing that's been good with Star Wars since they like in the sense of the new era. Star Wars Visions season one. You know how I feel about that. Clutch. Oh yeah, I, mean, I watch those episodes all the time when I get a chance. Season two was it as good as season one? No, but God, those stories were pretty damn good too. And the the animation, the different studios. I can't wait for season three, which they did announce for season three, right? Of Visions, I thought they mm -hmm. did. Uh, okay. I I think I think it's more the creatives said they would like to do a, a third season. Well, they, they need to. They need to. Because it'd be full. <laughs> I mean, come on. The, the way they are bringing in, speaking of, you know, community and, you know, connecting, they're bring, they're going to outside studios that aren't Americanized in this in that sense, and bringing in a new fan base, and a different way of storytelling. And it's just as good. And, to, and we've all said it. All those vision stories felt like organic Star Wars stories. Have, we, yeah. We've never questioned the 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 validity of how those stories are being told and how they feel like Star Wars. So to me, it's like that's been the most consistent thing since they. they I, I love the animations and that particular project, the Star Wars Visions, is amazing. I would love to get a season three. I love Tales of the Jedi, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fire, dude. Yeah, no, I really liked where season two went, and I think uh, Chris Forsyth mirrors my my take on it you know some of them are hit or miss for me i didn't like them all and uh you know and that's to say that's an anthology you don't have to like them all if you take away something from some of them that is amazing and uh but just going around the world seeing a studio from india compared to what a studio from ireland is doing and just the opening episode of the one from uh spain i believe it was like just the the complete different cultural take i love season one with with japanese anime take but then expanding it is a great idea because as you said Mel, like it was, star wars is very western civilization so especially when you see some of the eastern civilizations some of the one from i think they had some of them from south america right or something like that like yeah. just literally like all continents of the globe basically getting involved if this is how I would see Star Wars and using their own expertise, their own kind of, um, their own animation, you know, seeing the the clay kind of looking one from, um, uh, what is it, England, I uh, forget the one, yep. it's with the racing one, that was a lot of fun, yep. very cool compared to, you know, the one that was done with Lucasfilm and, and the, the, the whole, or I don't even know what it was called, um, the, the second to last I, one, that's a big hole in the ground that they're digging. Right, yeah. That's more of the anime one inspired. And then I, I really like the the Indian one. It rem reminded me a lot of the Clone Wars animation, mm -hmm. and they had Inquisitors in it, so that one was awesome. Well, yeah, like I love I love the Ghosts one. 
Yeah. No, yeah, go well, on, Milton. Sorry. Well, let's see. The one with the paintbrush is where there he was painting. Mm. I think that's one or two. That was that one, was my, yeah. I was like, yeah. And, I mean, look, and I, I told you guys, I'm a huge art fan. I think that's what really intrigued me. It's like, okay, they're taking different elements of life, of creation, of creativity, and incorporating it into, like, Star Wars. And it's like, how dope is that? Like, it's, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a creative way of telling stories, and I love that. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, well, well, there you have it. Our top five Star Wars moments, Star Wars content of 2023. We love Star Wars, <laughs> to say it simply, and there's always so much content to consume. Um, we have Chris Forsyth saying, London, 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 bind the ghost. <laughs> that was his top five. Yeah, the ghost, that, that was the HasLab uh, production that was put out this year. I do have a list here of a bunch of other things that were out this year, and I'm probably not even listing half of them, but these are the ones that sprung up to mind. I did not do any research, but, you know, we, we had the Bad Batch, Celebration London, the Mandalorian Season 3, Jedi Survivor, my trip to Galaxy's Edge. I didn't even talk about the High Republic phase two or three. Uh, Matthew, don't yell at me. I know that's something you're quizzical. Why is he not talking about High Republic on the top five? But there's only so much room. And then I had to make a cut. I had to make a cut. Uh, Ahsoka, Marvel Dark Droids, Rise of the Red Blade, Visions. If I missed anything that was super big or even a little small, let me know in the comment section below and we'll, uh, you know. It's interesting because there's so much stuff. It's so hard to, to compile a list of every single major, major thing. Yes, I'm aware, you know, from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi came out and, you know, Tales from the Death Star, little graphic novel. There's so much stuff, guys. There's so much stuff. I'd even talk about any, oh. like, the, the, the block series toys or anything like that. But there's something for everybody to love. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, there really was. This year was a was a, um, I think a really fun year for Star Wars overall. Looking back, um, you know, whether it be the shows stretching out for multiple months or weeks, or the comics, or the games, or anything in between. Um, and, you know, that begs the question. So, you know, you can just give like a simple answer, just a you know, a sixty second answer for either of you guys. So, like, what do you guys think? If if you know, it's up to you going into twenty twenty four. You know, since we're wrapping up twenty twenty three, what's like your most um anticipated thing you're looking forward to in 2024 is it the acolyte is it and or or not actually and or not next year acolyte is it skeleton i wouldn't crew? believe those is things it, is, is it i would say and or still is could it? come out i don't i don't know why uh, people could still say it isn't uh Bang. um but, you know the, those those type of things so you have a you know what's like your guys's most anticipated thing like for me i would say i'll have to throw in there probably just to see what's going to happen in the skeleton crew just because like mm. acolyte we kind of we we kind of have a gist of what's going on with the acolyte you know it's a couple hundred years before phantom menace it's like fifth related stuff etc which is interesting but like to me skeleton crew we don't know like anything about that show basically other than the little trailer that was leaked from celebration yep. um and you know we know we pretty much know it's jude law and a bunch of kids like yeah, that's and it's much being it. written oh. and directed by the Spider-Man uh, director. By, by uh, yeah, by, by the Spider-Man director, of course. And like, so you have that, um, and you know that show has been moved all around here and there, and you know it's obviously done shooting because it was supposed to come out this year. So it just it makes me wonder, 
like that's probably my most intriguing or like not questionable but you know like i'm interested to see what it turns out to be just because we we know so little about it and we know it's in the mandalorian universe and you know we know based on that little bird that was released i think it was from either starwars.com or it was another or it might have been hollywood reporter like you know briefly talked about it it sounds like they're going to be like in the outer parts of the galaxy so yeah. it's like are they going to bump into our folks that are on peridia that's that's what i'm wondering yeah, that's a good call. It's a it's a big wild card, as you said. We don't really know anything about, it, and that's the great part about new Star Wars, like Visions, for instance, Milton, is when we get these characters that we have no affiliation with, and it's just all right. Let there's 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 absolute stakes because anything could happen to these characters. So let's go. Let let's see what's happening. Right. Um. For- I mean, yeah, I agree, but I don't know. I don't know really what I want for this upcoming year. I think I just want. Good storytelling. I mean, I've always, that sounds like a broken record, but it's true. Like you, you is tell there, me. You, is you, there any type of like an announcement or anything you'd want to see? Like a boom, Star Wars headline. What would you? What would I mean, Milton want to see? Look, look. You give me a Luke series, or you give me a Luke animated series between episodes six and seven. Let's say, and I've always said it. Give me a three season Luke series, just talking about those thirty years or ten years post Return of the Jedi. I want to see what he was doing. You know, we, we haven't really got much of that time frame. That's an important time frame which led into the sequel trilogy. So it's like, if they, if they give me that, I'll be fine. And uh, we went over this a little bit before we started shooting this. Is, oh, what is uh, what are the folks at Lucasfilm Animation working on? They have to be working. They're always working on something. Obviously, Bad Batch is pretty much in the can. So what have they been working on for the last year or two? Um I want to see that as a Luke Skywalker Academy series or something that would help like the Clone Wars help the prequels. This series could help out the sequel trilogy. We need that. We really need that. Um, on this podcast, I think a couple weeks ago, like if, if they give me something that's going to not say change my perception of the sequel trilogy, but strengthen it where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, appreciation. I'm about that life. Give it well, to me. Well, well, the best way they, I think they could do something like that, Milton. Um, Christian Harloff mentioned it years ago. You know, when people were so divided about like the the Last Jedi and like the results of that, and like you know just the way Luke went the sequels. The way you build up Luke is actually fairly easy, and it's fairly pleasing for all the fans that were harsh about the Last Jedi. Since they built up Luke in the way that they did to make him fall, the way that he, like the 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 easy way you can build him up. Like this, and you know, like I said, giving all credit to Harloff because he he was the one that put this on my radar. But all you have to do is give us a just a badass, powerful Luke that gets knocked off his perch right before the sequel trilogy, basically. And like you know, someone who's really confident and oh, you know, cocky. Like you know, when they get knocked down, a lot of times it breaks their spirit. And like you know, they could build Luke up like that. I mean, look, we're already kind of seeing that in. Mando season two, look at how, you know, Luke just brashly went in there against all those dark troopers and just whooped him. So like, you know, they could easily go in that direction of, you know, if we do get something like that, Milton, like, you know, like a Luke series, like build up this awesome Luke Skywalker. And then eventually he has to get knocked off his perch, but Hey, at least we'll be getting multiple potential, like, you know, shows or seasons or something with him to build it up. And, you know, like you mentioned, Chris, doing something like that could help lessen the impact of the sequel trilogy and kind of like strengthen it more so at least people would be more understanding about it 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And for mine, easy. It's a Star Wars video game. It's called Star Wars Outlaws, and it's going to be the first mm. open world Star Wars game. We got our trailer for GTA 6 uh, not too long ago for a 2025 release, and I'm like, this game is basically GTA uh, with Star Wars. I mean, you got a wanted system. When you start doing stuff that's wrong, they're going to send the Empire after you, and it, it just looks fantastic. You, you got this brand new character. It's set in between Empire, Return of the Jedi, right in the underbelly of the underworld. This is this is a game that screams Chris, Star Raptor. I mean, this is, this is what I've been waiting for for a very long time. Cancellation of Star Wars 1313 uh, pulled away an awesome looking third person shooting game. And this is basically looking like it's going to be in that vein, but much grander in scale. So, oh man, I hope it doesn't slip into 2025. We haven't really heard anything about it, but oh man, I hope we get that game sooner rather than later. But please make sure it is completely done and it is not you know, half-baked like Cyberpunk. I hope every studio out there <laughs> looks at the sacrifice that Cyberpunk has made and says, we're not going to do that to our fan base. Um, so I have every intention of playing the heck out of that game, as you could imagine. So I'm very excited for that. So that is going to do it for 2023. I want to thank everybody out there who has listened over the several months we've been going live. Uh, we've been through reviewing a lot of different series to doing a lot of speculation a lot of just discussion in general which is always fun episodes and you know that you guys have been great with always chiming in in the chat after the fact on twitter all that good stuff about hey we're just you know promoting a positive star wars community here as ben said you know celebration everything nobody's ever really pissing people off it's everybody's in this together and that's the kind of community i'm trying we're trying to build here throughout room transmission through through the channel star raptor um so yeah very special shout out and thank you to everybody that has watched we've definitely grown as a channel i feel like we've all grown as individuals yet again as we're able to really come a far away from when we first doing this i'm sure watching those earlier episodes are probably a little cringeworthy yeah we i still have my cringeworthy moments on here as well but you know this is one of those shows that it's it's fun to go back to every week uh chatting chatting up with you guys so appreciate you uh guys also joining me on this venture milton and and ben yeah no problem man we appreciate having you having us on every week oh yeah it's always a great time here every week ending well you know it used to be ending the week um and now we're ending the weekend leading into the week so it's always a it's always a nice way to mm -hmm. to wrap the weekend up and talk star wars and you know it's a, it's always just a good way to just to tone down and get ready for the the start of mondays really um so yeah you know just a big shout out like you said thank you to anybody who's like listened watched even for a few minutes of the show throughout the year it's always great having people um you know just anybody like really meeting so many people whether it be listeners some you know to the podcast or you know viewers on here or you know people we connect with on social media it's always a good time um so yeah heading here into 2023 if you want to find me Talking Star Wars on social media, you can find my Twitter at RealBenMaynard or my Instagram at RealBenMaynard. There I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to start really being consistent again and start posting my fitness journey because 
starting here soon i'm gonna really like I'm, I'm i'm getting back into the swing of things like hitting hitting my macros consistently dieting consistently like i've lost like five pounds in the last couple weeks so that's been good and i pretty much you know people can keep an eye on me because i you know i'm gonna put it out there i guess as my own as my own commitment heading into the new year um uh -oh. i'm planning on losing i'm planning on losing about 55 pounds by june actually so <laughs> Whoa. you know it's yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a long way. Yeah, because right now I'm at about two forty five. You know, it doesn't look like it because I'm like six three, six three and a half. Um, but I need to get down to about I'm aiming for about one ninety because that'll put me at like you know like nine ten percent body fat, like really shredded. So I'm uh, I'm aiming to do that over the coming months, and you know I plan on getting there. Ideally, step on the scale June first, and I'd be one ninety. So we will. We will see how that goes, and like I said, I'm planning on probably documenting it on Instagram, so you can follow me there at Real Ben Maynard. Yeah, it's very, it's very aggressive, very aggressive goal. I will say, you know, consistency, having oh, a yeah. plan. You got to have the plan. You got to be yep. diligent, and you got to be consistent. But that's great for all of our viewers out there that need inspiration. Uh, that want to make a change going into the new year, as many people often do. Um, go ahead, check these two guys out because uh, they'll especially inspire you on whatever fitness goals you might have. Right. Yeah. Um. Now you can find me on Twitter at Milton Weber Seven or Instagram at Milton Seven Weber. Um. Again, I like to when I get the opportunity when I want to. I like to post some workout videos on my Instagram and or some funny story reels or whatnot. Um, <laughs> but no, I think coming holidays. I'm, I'm excited. I got a lot going on with Christmas this upcoming weekend and the week after that, I'll be in Vermont for my brother's wedding. Oh. So, but looking forward to getting away because the last two months have been crazy busy with work and real life. So it's gonna be nice to have a break away from the real world for a while. So, um, but I'm looking forward to the holiday. We just want to say we appreciate you guys being listeners and checking us out. Oh yeah, yeah, very, very much. Yeah, and congrats to your brother Milton. I mean, he, you know, he he always pops in sometimes on our podcast and listens mm -hmm. here and there. So, like, congrats to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everybody that celebrates. Happy holidays. Everybody be safe. Uh, enjoy time with the family. Enjoy your time with your friends. Appreciate everything. And apparently, go Eagles. That's that's Chris Forsythe saying that. So, <laughs> you know, we're in the, we know uh, two of us are in a Philadelphia sort of area here, so we we probably have a lot of crossover with those fans. But anyway, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you can follow us on you can follow me on Twitter at Star Raptor, uh, Twitter X, whatever we're calling it these days. Um, as far as content, I have my review for Dawn of the Rebellion, the visual guide written by Pablo Hidalgo. You can check that out now. Even though we're not going to be podcasting for the next three weeks, we'll be returning on January seventh. I will be podcasting on Wednesday nights going forward with Matthew Nugabauer from. The Tractor Beam. We're on the Tractor Beam podcast talking about the week's releases for comics. Comics are out earlier on that day on Wednesday. Later on that night, we're talking about them. So if you guys pick up your pool list and you want to hear all this stuff about what's going on with the comics that day, we got you covered. We're going to be talking about Dark Droids. We're going to be talking about the High Republic from here until whenever. So go ahead to the Star Wars Underworld 
network uh star wars underworld youtube channel that's where we go live on that network so hopefully you can join us there and please do subscribe to this channel and hit that bell icon that way you'll know when we go live which will be next time january 7th at 7 p.m eastern time that's gonna do it for milton for ben for i chris aka star rep that's gonna do it for 2023 and episode 133 of outer rim transmission we're so happy that you guys joined us tonight thanks stay safe have a good one may the force be with you always and transmission